I want to know everything there is to know about you. I am going to introduce me. You must have spotted her by now. She's always there. Don't I deserve love? Somebody has to like me best. Jackie! You're leaving already, are you? I was going to say goodbye, but you were dancing. Is it Dad? No, I've got to work tomorrow. You know what's bugging away. I know. It's just that if they'd been worried, Mum and Dad... Would I know. Hello, and welcome to the Don't Know Her podcast. I'm Michael, and today we have sent Scott on a very special journey. He is on location in <laughs> Scotland to talk about our first Scottish actor. I know, I'm so glad to be here. I'm out in the uh, beach at Stonehaven in North East Scotland, uh, on location at the site of one of Kate Dickey's films. Just kidding, I'm actually in the comfort of my parents' living room at home in Aberdeenshire, all the same, Scotland. Aberdeenshire, I love it. Aberdeenshire, I. Um, and would you describe Kate Dickey as like Scottish royalty? Um, Is that a thing? Uh, oh, if, no, sadly not. I think she should be considered Scottish royalty. Um, but precisely why I think she's the first, she's not the first Scottish person we've talked about on this podcast, but in their own episode, it is. Uh, we did talk about Gary Lewis uh, when we did our Father's Day episode. But in terms of Scottish performers who deserve a lot more credit, I think Kate Dickey is absolutely top of the bill. And I'm not alone in thinking that. I think her her respect and acclaim is only growing as she gets to work um, with more high-profile directors. Critics have always paid a lot of attention to Kate Dickey and always loved her whenever she crops up. Mark Kermode, very celebrated uh, superstar UK film critic, cites Kate Dickey as one of his favourite actors, period. Um, so there are a lot of people who have a lot of time for her. So she should be royalty, but I still think as a name slightly more under the radar than I would certainly like. Yeah, I, I think that's very true. Kate Dickey is kind of the perfect example of the type of people we talk about. And I get frustrated when I'm like, how the hell do you not know Diane Weist? Or how do you not know whoever it might be? And then I'm the person that wouldn't know who Kate Dickey is, even though I see her in things from like Star Wars through to The Witch to Prevenge, Alice Lowe's film. Like I've seen her in so many things, but I have never really stopped to be like, who is she and why don't we see more of her? Because every time I see her, she's great. Yeah, no, she is. She's a really, really special performer. Um, I'm very excited to talk about her. I'm taking it home to Scotland. Whereas we talk about Irish people week after week after week after week. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you worry. Thankfully, Kate Dickey has made Irish films or films filmed in Ireland. So we'll get to touch upon the homeland um so so where did you first come to know who D kate dickie was um the first time i probably paid most attention to her would have been in game of thrones i think i probably had seen her cropping up in in scottish tv shows 
throughout the years. When I've looked back at where she started, I mean, I watched all these shows, so I would have seen her in things like Still Game or Rabsy Nesbitt or, or these other shows probably only familiar to Scottish people. But in terms of paying attention, in Game of Thrones, I fully sat up whenever she was on screen. It wasn't that often. I think she was in probably about five episodes of Game of Thrones. But she has, to me, a huge impact because she's playing a character type very unlike those around her in any given moment. She's very unhinged. Her, her child in it, her son, is also very unhinged. So whenever you encounter these characters and the, the situation, like the, the, I guess it's a castle that they occupy, is also very memorable for a few reasons. So at that point, I remember going, uh, being wowed by Kate. What about you? I watched Game of Thrones. I agree with you. Like she stands out um, mainly because she has some kind of hole in the universe or in the ground, some exactly. sort of magic well. Yes, and it's amazing. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. But um, but she was really memorable. And then I had also when I was studying film, Red Road was quite a, like a what's the word? Like it was a very buzzy sort of film for students to like latch okay. onto at the time. Yeah. So I had seen that, and then. I then just forgot about her again. And then I watched The Witch and she's in that. And, you know, she keeps prop, cropping up. But I feel like only until we decided to do her for this podcast, I didn't know her. Like, I didn't know her at all. Um, and it's such a shame because not only is she such a good performer, and we'll talk about that, and her choices are very interesting in terms mm. of what she chooses to do, she also is just such a film enthusiast like yeah. she loves film she loves cinema like listening to her talk about film is wonderful and I just feel like she's such a great contribution and should be greater and hopefully will be for British cinema and world cinema international cinema yeah I think she will I think her profile is going to grow a lot um but it's it's true it's really nice listening to her because she's so sweet and authentic and very different from 90% of the character types that she is playing on screen it's oh she's she's great i'm i'm proud i'm proud that she is scottish she's a a, a great um spokesperson for for scottish performers and i should add there actually was a um... An Irish film that has taken a while to be released, but was released last year called Wildfire, oh, Wildfire, and that was released and like a, when cinemas were reopening, and so was The Green Knight. And I remember seeing both of these films, which she's playing very different people, um, but I was like, this is someone to like watch. Like I, I, and then then again going back, I was like, this is how I know this woman. Like I knew I knew her from something. Yeah, I just find it wild that I could be <laughs> so forgetful when usually when it comes to actors, particularly um, actresses, I like I just keep them like retain them, like file them. They'll be like yeah. these are performances I love. But for whatever reason, Kate Dickey just like it was like a sieve or something. <laughs> but I will no longer forget her. Oh, good. Okay. Well, if this is just a way to cement her into your head, then I'm delighted of it. Um, maybe I should then dip into her career and talk a little about Kate to further solidify her presence uh, within your life, Michael. From now moving forward. Um, so yes, like I've said, finally. Uh, 
I've made it back to Scotland. No, well, I mean that too. It's always nice to come back. Um, but finally, we're taking the podcast to Scotland to talk about the one and only Kate Dickey, uh, someone who truly is, I think, a, a unique presence on the silver screen. So born in East Kilbride uh, in Scotland, which is not too far south of Glasgow, in 1971, by the way, the date changes depending on where you look, so I have no idea when her birthday is. Oh my God. It's July somewhere, March somewhere else, April somewhere else. 1971 is about as much consistency as I can I thought you were going to say she was doing a Jessica Chastain where we didn't know her real age. <laughs> <laughs> Do we not know Jessica's real age? I don't think so. Or maybe that's just like a rumor that people keep sharing and I believe it because I want it to be true. Like, that's how I'd behave. Mm. Oh, well, 57 minimum for Jessica Chastain. Anyway, Kate Dickey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Her interest in drama uh, from an early age drove her to studies that would garner her a national certificate for drama from college in Scotland before earning a place at the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama in 1990, keeping her talents to be developed in Glasgow. She spent the early years of her career as a jobbing actress, cropping up in a variety of shorts and TV shows for a good handful of years before being named uh, the most prolific British film actress in 2017. So this meaning that she had more film credits per year within that period of time than any of her peers. Um, So more than, I think, the kind of ones taking up the rear were like Judi Dench. um, uh, What's her name from Prevenge? Alice Lowe? Yeah. Alice Lowe was actually just behind her in second. Oh, really? Yeah, at this point in time. So she has become incredibly busy and therefore incredibly in demand um, to be cast in film, which is very exciting. So she is now a very busy actress. So I think great things are going to be coming uh, beyond the great stuff she already has done. Her breakout roles came in Scottish shows, like I mentioned, such as the comedy favourite Rabsi Nesbitt and Still Game. Then we had Tinseltown in 2000, a series about um, nightlife in and around the Glasgow area. It was 2006 that saw her big breakthrough, though, in Andrea Arnold's Red Road, which saw her win the Scottish BAFTA and BIFA Award for Best Actress. Although she had a steady career in theatre following her studies, so she very much came from the world of theatre, um, when she did find her way to uh, the screen from Red Road onwards, really, um, it pretty much did see her her stage days peter out at that point in favour of work on the screen. Uh, she is probably most known to most, though, or most known, she's probably best known to <laughs> most for some of her TV work, like we said, Game of Thrones, um, as I mean, it's very hard to forget her or many of the cast in that but has also cropped up with guest appearances in Taggart, another Scottish classic, um, Vera and Peaky Blinders. And quite recently, she was in 2020's The Nest alongside her Red Road co-star, Martin Comston. In film, she has taken on a lot of roles to garner her most prolific title. Uh, After Red Road, these include Summerstown, Prometheus, uh, Ridley Scott's uh, prequel to Alien, Shell, For Those in Peril, Filth, The Witch, um, Couple in a Hole, which we, she then won her second BAFTA Scotland Award and earned another BIFA nomination. 
We then have Prevenge, a very minor role in Star Wars The Last Jedi. Get Duked, Our Ladies, um, which was a big screen adaptation of the famous novel The Sopranos. Uh, Wildfire, as Michael mentioned, and The Green Knight, the fabulous The Green Knight. And very excitingly, she's going back to work with um, Robert Eggers, the director of The Witch again, in an upcoming tale of Vikings, The Northmen, uh, which sees her as part of a really wild and wonderful cast, including Bjork and Nicole Kidman, amongst others. So sign me right up. Yeah. And an Irish actor called Owen Ferrare. So I feel like, the, I know the film is mostly about these men, but in my mind, these four women are going to be the story of the Northmen. No, absolutely. And Topless Alexander Sarsgaard yeah. can be there too, I don't mm-hmm. mind. Very important. Um, but yeah, that's that's Kate. Oh, she, she, and she seems so delighted with her career. Like, yeah. you know, when she talks about it and... It is. It is delightful to like go in and watch these films, and she seems to be very also quite happy and proud of going between short films and feature films. Thinking like it's just all very exciting to be part of the creative process. Um. So yeah, yeah, she's really she's really great, and she seems like a real like auteur filmmaker's dream in some way I think but so. also then a big budget filmmaker's dream because she'll be there do her job and be really dependable mm-hmm. so she's the she's the perfect thing and also listening to her interviews something she talks a lot about is the film she tends to like herself but also is interested in making are ones with like a social a social aspect or so, like she talks a lot about ken loach's films um, so Ken Loach, the British filmmaker who makes a lot of films about politics, really, but focused on people rather than like large scale, um, you know, the government or something like that or Thatcher or it's about the people in the in the country and usually um, working to middle class people. Um, anyway, she talks about that sort of filmmaker. So I just hope she gets to have more and more options and more and more power that's why i'm so like thrilled to have spent time with her and yeah. and the films that we selected to, to talk through today as well i think she's no. super she is super but it's it's a good point that you make about her position and things and i don't think she um i don't think she misunderstands sort of where where she's positioned within hollywood and what how she is considered as an, an actress around the time that she was um, being named as kind of the most prolific actress five years ago, uh, when interviewed, she was kind of very taken aback by the title and surprised, but addressed it as saying that she was a jobbing actor. She's drawn to characters caught in extreme circumstances. Um, I do get cast in a lot of challenging roles, and that has a lot to do with the way I look. She said she would be happy to play a romantic lead, but doesn't get offered those roles. And then she said, it's a shame if people think only someone with a certain look can play a lead. So I guess she understands kind of how she is viewed, but it certainly hasn't stopped her from getting work. But it has, I guess, and and it does reflect, stopped her from the getting the leads. Um, and that's why we've probably only seen her a handful of times get the lead part. Red Road being the most um, obvious, but there are 
other smaller films where she is also a leading character, but few and far between. Yeah, it's a real shame that we, like the system basically of filmmaking doesn't allow her to be in those sort in but most lead roles really of any big budget thing like they've Nicole Kidman playing the mother in The Northman something that I'm sure Kate Nicky could do with her eyes closed I haven't seen it so let's see okay uh, Nicole Kidman's doing something so amazing um, Mm and because that's what she she does do sometimes um but yeah I often but Kate yeah it's, yeah I can see that I do think in some ways like someone like say Olivia Coleman who's not a traditional leading l- l- actor leading lady I guess the best way to put it that we would the doors might open it is a shame it's interesting what you say though about Olivia Coleman when she was on the Biffa podcast yeah. she'd said that um when asked, because they asked their guests what film they would like to show if they had to choose one, um, if they had a cinema of their choice, they could show one film. She showed, she chose Paddy Constein's film Tyrannosaur and said that it like changed her life. So mm-hmm. obviously she really connects to the work that Olivia Coleman certainly was doing at that time. And that was pre her massive surge into Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, she is also just a woman of great taste. Her her favourite actress or her film crush is Frances McDormand, who I think is the greatest actor of all time. So, God, Dickie, she's got taste. And even in that, she talks about seeing, like, Herbie films in the cinema yeah. and Who's Frame Roger Rabbit. Yeah, that's a great pod, uh, episode. If, if Do go out and seek it if you want to get a, a flavour of her, like, yeah. personality and interests. Um, okay, like, how should we start? I'm... As as we have the new um, Robert Eggers movie, The Northman, shall we start with The Witch? Which I feel like probably introduced her to a big international art house audience in a way that made, like, that film really launched, say, Robert Eggers, who went on to do The Lighthouse and now The Northman, and also Anya Taylor-Joy, who people most know probably from The Queen's Gambit, the Netflix series. Um, is that a good way? Should we start with that one? Yeah. Which yeah. is a real striking film. <laughs> I mean, it's one way to put it. Like the story, like we, we starts off and we see this family. Um, so Kate plays the mother, Ralph Innocent. Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. He's the father. And they basically are so religious that they have to leave the town and they go and live in a forest by themselves <laughs> um, in a really creepy forest. And it's like, this is a bad idea. Like everything about it is like, there are bad things happening. Every, you know, it's like, you know, in The Little Mermaid when it's like, you have a choice of like, you know, just living down here and having whatever, or you have the choice of going down this cave <laughs> that like screams danger. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? But because they're like these like Puritan um, religious people, a part of me is a bit like, ah, yeah, fair fucks, go, go into the forest and be tortured. And um, so, yeah, then they go to the, the forest, live in this on a farm and really creepy things start happening. Ooh. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, so it is, it's like an old fashioned horror story in so many ways, but it feels so contemporary in a way the way that's edited like the music yeah oh yeah the, the styling of it is all very much like this is a modern horror a psychological horror story yeah and everyone in it is so good it's very specific i feel like the style of performance that's being required of them um kate dickie is essentially 
kind of a hysterical mother for most of the film. Yes. How thou could lose me, Father Silver Winecope, in this hovel, I cannot know. Haven't face, child. He's gone. Did a wolf vanish out too? She hasn't touched it, Catherine. What is amiss in this farm? Hmm? It's not natural. And she really does not like her daughter who's, you know, reaching puberty and it's becoming a woman and she th she is like competitive of her in a sexual way is which is hinted at right that's mm -hmm. i'm not the only one <laughs> okay because i'm like please scott say yes lad <laughs> so that people aren't like what if you so like because she, we're talking about yeah like a sexual competitor for her husband anna taylor joy's father um she also is like in terms of control like anna taylor joy is quite smart intelligent in a way that maybe kate dickey is less so and characters not me. actors <laughs> maybe <laughs> unconfirmed <I'm> very <laughs> is this not a behind the scenes <laughs> film of the northman or something and um, they anyway they, but they yeah there's accusations of like people being um the witch which essentially having supernatural powers it is like it's not my cup of tea as a film I will say I love The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is the type of psychological thriller, horror thing that I enjoy. The Witch, to me, is just a bit like, okay. Um, particularly watching it this time for Kate Dickey, it's like, oh, there's much more this woman that could be going on with this character. Having said all that, she does an amazing job at like fleshing it out, which we again, she does quite often in roles where she has very little to do, even like Star Wars. It's like, okay, I believe this woman is like, oh, I want to I end this shift. <laughs> or whatever yeah, it is yeah, or... um but it's it's just so striking and what i guess the thing that's most exciting about watching it now after the lighthouse and with the northman coming is like mm. robert eggers is an exciting filmmaker very and a really so. bold filmmaker but yeah it's grand it's like 90 minutes isn't it like it's not long it's it's um you know i don't like a movie if i'm like the 90 minutes running time yeah it's um the the imagery in it is incredibly memorable though. So I think I probably feel similarly to you. Uh, maybe I like it a little bit more, but it's it's I prefer the lighthouse. I have a lot more time for that. Um, but I do think it's very effective. I really like what it's doing. I just I'm not sure that again I'm the audience for it. However, from the first time I saw this in the cinema when it was released in 2015. Um, there are a handful of images which are, were seared into my head, like completely, they will not be shaken. Um, and it is that kind of approach to contemporary horror, or just horror in general, actually, it doesn't need to be just contemporary horror, that really heightens the impact and lasting power for me in, in the genre. And therefore, when I come back and I think about horror cinema and what horror cinema looks like, it is these films that will always come into my head first. So The Witch always comes into my head when I'm thinking about horror from the past decade because there are images of a goat or a bird and the things that these animals are doing in this film and other bits and pieces that are going on that I think are really beautifully choreographed as horror cinema. Not like, oh, that's so pretty, beautiful. No, quite the opposite. But 
it works for me. But what I do find interesting about it um, is that people cite this as like one of the scariest films, one of the creepiest films. And when it came out and still, you know, certain critics or audiences feel like, gosh, this is, this is, this shakes you up, this film. Hmm. Is this the kind of horror film that does that to you or, or what kind of horror, what horror affects you in that way if it's not this? Because I can understand it. It just doesn't do it to me. I could watch this in the dead of night on my own, for example, and I would be fine. I wouldn't be like, ah, but... I think a horror movie like this would only work if I could or the audience can relate to it in some way. There is nobody in this film that I can relate to go. in many for so many reasons. Um, not even that I like I grew up and my family are from like a farm. Like so that's something I could relate to. But not, not like there's nothing about these characters. They're kind of set in the past because they're so stylized. It's funny you should say those shots about animals and things. I see that, and I remember, not maybe less so now, because I've seen it done better in The Lighthouse, but the first time I was like, ah, this is a first-time filmmaker. You know, like that's very much yeah. like a student kind of graduate style, which I'm not knocking because it can work, and sometimes it does in The Witch, but it, you, it does like put me out of it. But it feels like it's made for film critics. You know, like to, to, to say what you, like sure. you said, I feel like that is the audience for this film. Not to say like people don't enjoy it or can't, but for whatever reason, it's just, it's funny when I was looking, you know, going to watch, I would have called it a thriller, not really a horror. Um, and then reading about it, I was like, oh, I guess it is. It does have all the beats of a horror film. It just doesn't work for me um, that way. It doesn't operate that way as a horror film yeah that that makes sense and that sort of hits it on the head perhaps what i was trying to work out myself so thank you for that but kate thank you (laughs) kate is um she is really really terrific in this i think for a long time like you're saying she is just the kind of downtrodden jealous mother yeah um although for a start you really get the sense when you first see her and they are um doing kind of a a prayer together the look in her face you are like you are in this you are this person your life is completely devoted to this kind of servitude to your husband family and god and it is it is absolutely present in her face and i was like whoa you've captured that like i've maybe never seen before but then for a while you just kind of have like oh mother in a bleak situation okay However, at the end, I, I find we get a performance not entirely dissimilar to Tony Collette's work in Hereditary, and therefore they mm. make quite interesting companion pieces in terms of uh, a kind of a flip moment in a mother character, in a family, in a horror, and the kind of the maddening of her character, the madness mm. that comes out towards the end. There's a moment which again is similar to Hereditary. Tony is very animalistic in the moment she turns. And there is a moment also in this where there is a complete grief. There's a, something happens and she's struck by complete grief. And the way she turns on her daughter is so primitive and animalistic. And I don't think a lot of people would have it in them the way that Kate Dickey does. So She's doing great stuff here, even where the film doesn't fully work for me. Yeah, no, totally agree. She's she's fantastic. Um, and her confusion and trying to figure out what is happening is is interesting to watch, even if it falls into lots of tropes of um 
like the camera lusting on Anya Taylor Joy unnecessarily. <laughs> anyway, they, they, I, I, it feels awkward to me. I feel like Robert Eggers is maybe not a person that we have many things in common um, to talk about. Or oh, I always thought you maybe. guys were quite similar. Yeah, I think we're. I think pals, we're actually. Old pals. Yeah, <laughs> old pals. We're the same. I mean, maybe I we would cast the same people. Well, I know, so maybe don't assume too much about him because sorry, yeah, he might be a lovely man. Yeah. Um I'm I'm assuming very straight, um, from what from the kind of shots that he was he has included in the witch. Um so yeah, um and like I'm assuming I don't know this, but someone like Robert Eggers, and I think a lot of people turn to Kate because of Red Road like Red Road does seem like a very significant um like art house film like when I was studying like the dogma style um which was very much like having like lo-fi basically a lo-fi approach to filmmaking which was in reaction to these big budget Hollywood movies um so using handheld cameras and natural light, that sort of thing. This was a big part of it and launched Andrea Arnold's film career. Um, this was this wasn't her first film, was it, Andrea Arnold? Or this was her first. This was her first feature film. Yes, after her uh, Oscar-winning short um, Wasp uh, a few years prior to this. Um, and amazing, like one of surely one of the best film debuts um of a writer director is so like to me say like what we were talking about with the witch i don't feel like there's any of that sort of i guess in a really negative way you could say ego or it's like style over substance sort of a, a approach like i feel like what andrew arnold's doing in red road is so in service to a story and the way that it's told so the story is about um kate dickie's character called jackie and she is, um, is she a police officer? Or like she's she's a surveillance officer? Yeah, is there a specific yeah a CCTV operative, I think is what you call okay. it. And she, I guess, it's, we'll keep it very vague, but she spots somebody that's very significant to her past in the footage. Um, and this sparks off quite a journey, let's say, for her that is very emotional, very... Um, it's like it's hard to watch at times what happens like and when we meet her so she's having kind of a loveless affair is even not the right word she's basically being like used by one of a co-worker for sex yeah um who's married and it's a it's a really yeah it's hard even that's hard to watch <laughs> like this is like tyrannosaur levels of um hardship sometimes in this film this woman is so deeply um in grief i guess um and then she's invited to a wedding of a of a family her husband has uh, passed on passed away is what we know or do we even know that we don't really know but we get the we know from the start like she's invited to this wedding and she feels a awkwardness let's say um but also it brings up a lot of memories um it's just it's so rich in terms of the world that Andrew Arnold has created and the way that Kate Dickey performs it, you like instantly know this character, you understand what's 
what she's about, like what she's dealing with, even though we do not know the details. Like it's so, there's so much clarity. It's so impressive to me. Like I loved rewatching this film. I haven't watched it for whatever, however many years, 10, maybe probably more. And it's just so good. And she's so good in it. Yeah, it's incredibly powerful. I mean, Red Road, the, the title coming from the name of the estate that she watches over in her in her day job. Um, and it captures an incredibly bleak side of, of Glasgow um, and captures it incredibly well, though, and astutely. It really understands this place. And it's not to say that it's always presented in this way. I think the kind of tenement buildings and lifestyle of Glasgow has been kind of romanticised and shown in a very different way because for many reasons uh, there was a lot of joy in these places as well at, at many times. However, it is quite easy to capture them in a very, very dark and, and grim way. And that is what is happening here. But she, oh, gosh, it, it's just an amazing job of of focusing on a character. When you see that the film's like an hour and 50 minutes long, you're like, gosh, that is, that's quite long for a film like this. But it, it feels like there's no fat on it. It is all necessary. Mm. I think the journey that the character goes on really carries it along very briskly um, because as it unravels, I mean, it is, it is kind of a mystery piece as well. And as it unravels, yeah. you are incredibly invested in her, her journey. But what it does so beautifully, and this is what Kate Dickey really brings to it, is you fully feel a woman in servitude to her job and and it just kind of all working around each other to, to make the character more complex. So you've got her as this very open, kind-hearted person, the thing she observes like a sick dog and being like, oh, goodness, mm. like, take pity on this man and this sick dog. Like, she's obviously pays attention to him day in, day out. Um, and very, very warm and considerate of those that she works around. But you can also get this voyeuristic nature to her, which is unsurprising, I suppose, in a job like this. But it all builds to make this character way more rich. And, I mean, she is just completely living this character. This performance is amazing, 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 amazing. I yeah. think this is an absolute knockout probably should have won more awards than it did but it did win some like the biffa um and and others and very very deservedly so um it just surprises me that from 2006 until now with a barnstorming performance like this that you really can't ignore why there hasn't been more exciting work come her way larger roles meteor roles coming her way um but to have this one is is amazing anyway. It also won the jury prize it can, meaning it I guess it's sort of like the bronze medal of the the competition it can. Yeah, yeah. I mean everything that you've just said and more. She's because like as well as what you're saying about her, you know, noticing, you know, an elderly man and a dog and their dog on the surveillance and then want seeing them in person and behaving that way. She also behaves in ways that are um, like kind of undoubtedly bad, like, like yeah. to, to verging on like evil. Um, and yet you're on the journey with her. And I don't know that 
I can't think of many people that would be able to do that. Um, there's a just because it's interesting because I listened to that podcast about with Kate talking about Tyrannosaur, and I feel like Tyrannosaur has a flip in a big moment about the main character behaving in a way that is not redeemable either and it's complicated but the way that that's done is not as well like i basically think red road and what andrew arnold is doing and kate dickie in particular is so impressive for that character that you're still with them and like it's important that you're with that on that journey and i the reason i don't want to spoil it i, I really encourage people to go which is why i don't want to talk about it in detail um but yeah anyone that wants to watch it and then talk to me about this about the movie i'm totally there i love it so much um yeah it's it's a it's a really amazing study in grief and what grief can drive you to do and the complexity of that emotion and and the ways it can push you and it's something that i think kate dickie is second to none at showing on screen and she has then done and displayed grief and showed then different roles in in many of her parts really and and not not surprisingly after this performance yes and for those who are you know are are subscribed to movie or bfi player or i think on amazon prime it is available on all of these um places to stream in the uk and ireland anyway i'm not sure about um anywhere else but do do and as much as it is heavy it's, it's, it's really rewarding. Um, it's not the heaviest film I've ever seen, but it's it's not light. But just go watch it. I would highly recommend. Yeah, I mean, everyone should be Andrea Arnold completists because she is tremendous. So if you're a fan of Fish Tank or American Honey, um, her new documentary, any of these things, and you haven't seen Red Road, you have to go and see Red Road. Uh, for me, it is um, her best. Mm. Okay, I'm not prepared to answer that question. I need to think more. And they're all really, really strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I would need to think. Um, But let's let us let's go on to the next film, which I think is so bleak. Like this is such a bleak film. For those in peril, <laughs> I was, did you think I was going to bring up like I don't know? She she basically has done a lot of bleak films, but for me, for those in peril, which is a story of um <laughs> it's basically a boy or well, a man played by George Mackay dealing with something that happened on a boat where every other person is missing from the shipwreck is that what it is so it's this yeah so the tale of uh, six men who've gone out to sea fishermen um only one of them returns uh and that is played by the amazing George Mackay in one of his earlier film roles um, Kate Dickey is his mother and one of the other five who have gone missing at sea um, or died at sea uh, is another one of her sons, so George Mackay's character's brother. Um, and as he's come back, he's dealing with a lot of animosity from the community, so very much a fishing community, northeast coastal town of Scotland, um, and it kind of feels a little bit rejected and pushed away and and people treat him suspiciously like something's going on uh he talks to characters who wonder why he was ever on the boat and that people thought he was like cursed and bad news and shouldn't be on on these trips uh it's not for him his place is not out on the sea um but he becomes convinced that his brother and these men have not died and starts 
going about trying to recover him, bring him back, go looking for him. So it's a really interesting take on mental illness. It is incredibly bleak. I should say that this is the, the town so where this is filmed and set is, is 20, 30, 40 minutes from where I'm from here in Scotland. These are coastal towns I'm very, very familiar with. Um, and on rainy days, they, they are bleak places, but they are not always bleak. It's, it's chosen to be sort of captured in this way. They can be very hopeful and lovely and beautiful places too. Um, but it, it is the perfect home for a tale like this, but it can feel at times inescapably <laughs> miserable. Um, yeah. As like there's no there's no sense of or space for lightness. It's just even though I guess the most light thing is Kate Dickey, who's like trying really hard to make sure her George Mackay, her son, is going to be okay. So I hate to miss him, you know. We all miss him. But it's, it's just the two of us and we're but needing to try and make sure we're okay. All right. That's the only lightness, but that lightness is, like, that's a big asterisk to say, like, <laughs> that's not light at all. Like, that is that is very heavy. Yeah, it's, it's quite... Um, it, it doesn't surprise me that it didn't, like, spark any sort of connection with the... Or like a big audience yes and it didn't i mean it played played at a lot of festivals it did kind of those rounds but after its release in 2013 it, it wasn't necessarily spoken about that much and i can't say yeah i'm surprised either but there is things i really do like about it again linking on from what we we're saying about red road i think it is a really interesting take on grief i think it presents it in a way which you don't see that often an almost surrealist spin, especially towards the end, how it manifests, how his how his dealing with grief and how his own mental illnesses manifest off the back of this grief um, and the surrealist approach to depicting that, I find fascinating and I find very memorable. And that very much stayed with me. There's imagery that really stayed with me as well. But yes, Kate Dickey is the lightness in this, which is interesting because quite, quite often she's she's the opposite, but she is the light in this and and she grounds it and, and the kind of her realistic approach to dealing with grief here is, is interesting in contrast to what she's doing yeah. in Red Road in that she is kind of matter of fact, life goes on, this is shit, life goes on and we need to move on with it and, and put the past in the past and look to the future. Um, and I... And I found that really refreshing. I liked how her character works alongside George Mackay's character. I think they balance each other really nicely. Um, but yes, it's a it's a chilly affair and definitely not one for everyone. <laughs> but it's, I mean, a few films set quite specifically where I'm from. It is an interesting case for me on a personal level. Yeah, and it, I mean, anyone that's a fan of George Mackay, I mean, George Mackay's done has done good work in lots of places, but this is really terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, on the, going on this train of like films that like so going from this film where I'm like, oh, I don't understand why this didn't meet an audience or connect with an audience. The film 
Alice Lowe's Prevenge, I really struggle with why that was not a hit yeah. in some way. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I also agree. understand, I, I feel crazy when I, like, when I, so I watched it when it came out. I love um, Ben Wheatley's Sightseers, where I first um, saw Alice Lowe, where she plays a woman that falls in love with this man. <laughs> and um, her mother is really disgruntled when um, Alice Lowe and the partner go off in the camper van and basically what happens is like this really dark comedy of like murder (laughs) but it's like murdering these like middle to upper class people who have no respect in the way that the Alice Lowe and her partner deem they should have get up for someone yeah exactly so someone like leaves a crisp packet on the floor (laughs) and next minute they've run over him you know that sort of thing yeah anyway and Prevenge is cut from the same cloth so when that came out, I was like, I've got to watch this. This is Alice Lowe's written, directed it. She also has made it really impressively in such a short amount of time when she was basically about to give birth. Like during filming and production, she gave birth. So she her child is in the like end of the film as a newborn baby. And I I was just like, wow, this is great. And really, like, so it's the story of this woman, this pregnant woman whose unborn child is telling her in a voice not dissimilar to Shirley Henderson, <laughs> like a very <laughs> yes, high pitched. I thought it was Shirley Henderson. I thought it was too, but it's not. But clearly they must have asked for Shirley to yeah, do it. Should um, have. Shirley. <laughs> Shirley. Shirley they must Shirley have. Henderson. Um, but anyway, the, this baby's telling her to do these things. So we see her and she's like, I need it in a pet store telling the man he needs like he she needs something really special and brings him to basically after a while like flirts with him he flirts back she doesn't like it she's like this man is an asshole and and then like and then she brings him out to the back and and kills him in a very violent graphic humorous way and then walks off and basically continues on this um journey um, I'm a sucker for this sort of humor, this sort of comedy. Um, but if it wasn't, is it not for you? Then, like, yeah, you, it wouldn't. I guess that's why it's not a big hit. Yeah, I think it's it is amazing comedic writing, and it's sort of that quiet comedy that it's kind of you. It can enjoy it on a, maybe more of an intellectual level rather than ah ha ha belly laughing. But it is always really funny. It. it It doesn't compare too much to other things we see on the big screen, but it does compare to a lot of the best stuff we're seeing from uh, the best talents on the small screen, like your Phoebe Waller-Bridges, your Michaela Coles, uh, and a lot of these comedic actresses, um, writers, who are making great work at the moment. This kind of works alongside them tonally in terms of how they find the laughs, in terms of how the laughs land, and especially the skewering of men to get those laughs. And in this case, quite literally, the skewering of men. Yeah. And also women. So Kate Dickey plays a businesswoman looking to recruit. And Alice Lowe has a turned up for the interview. Firstly, Kate Dickey is like... um... (sighs) To be honest, I don't know what we were thinking. Thanks for seeing me, by the way. So late in the day. It's not... Because it's the end of the day, Siobhan. Is it this? Is it the pregnancy? Not directly, 
But, sir, Tricky decision for a company. I understand. I mean, you'd be taking your maternity leave as soon as you've unpacked your stapler. Which isn't a problem, per se. What is the problem, per se? Like, an interesting setup for a scene anyway. But once that's established, I should, <laughs> like, what happens to me is just so fascinating. I told you, she's a merciless, frigid bitch. Anyway, sorry, but um, I've got to get on. Do you always work late? Alone? Yes. Well, I've got my priorities. Don't you do anything else? Well, <laughs> of course. Well, I've got a dog. Walk him. And it's really like a real stereotype what Kate Dickey's playing of a woman oh, yeah. who has sacrificed her life for a career. Yeah. But what Kate Dickey, how she is playing it is it's really warm and she's excited and she has like, she does have desires and wants, which then makes it even wilder when she gets, as we all know is coming, murdered violently. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's wonderful. I I know the woman that Kate Dickey's playing. Like I have met her before. Yeah. She's playing a specific yeah. type. She's playing a specific type. I think it's recognisable to anyone. But she's playing a specific type of Scottish person. Um, like I'm just so wild and free, and oh, you know, I'm I'm disconnected from my work. And and when she kind of plays up to these things that you're you're not quite sure are all true, they might be a little bit of an elaboration. Um, but it's really fun to watch. Um, and also. Kate really wonderfully uh, can act through a frosted table, which is quite a unique thing to say. Uh, her acting dying through a frosted yeah. glass table is um, is terrific work. Like that, that more than say Game of Thrones, like has stuck in my mind. That image in particular, what you're talking yeah. about, bed from the table. I think, yeah, I just love. I love Alice Lowe. If it was up to me, I'd be throwing money. At her to do whatever the hell she wants. Um, yeah, she's really amazing. So I highly recommend Prevenge as well. Again, I th I think I'm pretty sure that's on Amazon Prime. So if you're a Prime member, watch that. And it's that is only like ninety minutes, like so good. It's like you fly through. It's it's just and I should say beyond all of the like humor and everything we've been talking about and the violence, there's a real meaning to it that does come through in each of the kind of interaction she has and I think that's really well judged and really well explored basically it's about grief again <laughs> yeah it is it's it's a beautiful thing and done for 80,000 pounds which is amazing yeah and it also has a very the very attractive um Caden Novak in it mm -hmm. people might know better from Nicole Kidman's henchman in um, Paddington and Four Lions. Oh, what we do in the shadows at the moment. He's amazing in the TV oh, that series. Oh, well, yeah. we do in the shadows. He's oh, he's so, so good. <laughs> well, see, I find him less attractive with all that <laughs> wig shit. So maybe that's why I'm like, I'm just going to point you to um, to hot versions. But yes, of course, he can be any version. He doesn't need to be hot to be good. You're exactly. Right. Come on, Michael. <laughs> and let's, um, I'm sick of talking about Scotland. So to finish up, 
Our chat's oh, about. I roll, I roll. And Go, here we so go. you know I love talking about it. Love it. Liar. We're going to talk about The Green Knight, which was filmed in Ireland. Um, but in <laughs> no way it's about Ireland at all. No. Um, it's why it's good. Uh, so, I mean, you've already said you're a fan, right? Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I love, 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 love this film. Yes, me too. I think it hits a very specific kind of uh, connection between fantasy and folklore and history and magic and um a sensual story like it's all of these things in one um i'm i was floored i don't think it was the first film i saw in the cinema after lockdown but it was one of the first and yeah. everything is just it's just so great like i love like the you know king arthur medieval folklore sort of stories i don't know if you call them folklore some academic is listening to this hopefully and saying what a fucking idiot but anyway i'm going to keep calling it folklore um because the way that david lowry's approached it is it's like mythical in a way like he keeps showing you what's possible like what's not so like the story is about um i'm going to say it wrong even though we did practice it before this gowan gawain Gawain, um, played by um, the beautiful Dev Patel, um, who is basically wants to join, like, he's a knight, he's on Arthur's um, table, um, round table, and he, at the very start, actually, he's asked, Tell me a tale of yourself, so that I might know thee. to tell yet we all know what's going to happen like this is a story of this character finding his way to become worthy of the table but again you can re read that in so many different ways um you see his mother played by sarita chowdhury who most people hopefully will know as carrie's new best friend in just like that um but she um, <laughs> of course she... most people yeah, most people. She sadly, people should be watching the Green Knight. Um, she is <laughs> she's basically blindfolded, making spells. We don't. I don't really know how you word what she's doing, but she's doing that. She has sent a letter, which is being delivered by the Green Knight. This amazingly realized kind of wooded knight creature. Like, what would you, I don't know how you describe this man? He's like so, or this monster sort of. It's just so well done like the yeah, sound design everything so about him yeah and this letter basically is like oh greatest of kings indulge me in this friendly christmas game let whichever of your knights is boldest of blood and wildest of hearts step forth take up arms and try with honor to land a blow against me and he does but they, they have repercussions i just feel like this is like exuberant in terms of the opportunities for people to get something out of this film there's you meet so many characters that are like alicia vikander for instance plays is it two characters um mm -hmm. you see how he interacts with different people there's a fox who's his friend 
who at first he's like, get the hell away from me. And then they're friends. There's so much, basically. It's just so rich in myth and legends and lore. But also just, and like going back to say what we were saying, why say the witch didn't connect with me. This to me is just about somebody trying to find a purpose. And the way that the film is um, has been adapted makes that really tangible to me. Like I just like watch that and I think, God, this story resonates, even though I'm never going to have to journey through the lands to try and face off a wooded creature. <laughs> you know yeah oh god i mean it's so it's so wonderful it's definitely not a film for everyone we should add i think when this film initially came out and launched on amazon prime it is available on amazon prime for everyone by the way and in cinemas it might have been marketed in a way that it, it looked kind of i was gonna say sexier but i think it is a very sexy film but but as kind of more familiar contemporary uh filmmaking of this type of story um and all these things, and I think people went and saw it and were dumbfounded by the ambiguity of it, like you described. And even actually when I came out of it, I remember thinking, I loved it, but I was like, oh, what happened? Uh, but then that became the joy of it, is coming away from it and going, it didn't necessarily matter. I have an idea. Does my idea reflect the actual, the truth of what happened? No, because it's not laid out there for us. But everything about this to me, for those who will get on board with this film, I really think it is certainly one of last year's best films. The music is incredible. My favourite score from last yes. year, I find it just so oh, hypnotic and enveloping. It just takes you in and you want to go on this, on this journey because of how it sounds. It just looks impeccable. The costumes are impeccable. Dev Patel is as good as he's ever looked and, and is giving a performance as good as he ever has. It's it's just, oh, it's so good. And Kate Dickey has the moment. She is the one who gets to be kind of possessed and project um, the the Green Knights uh, when he throws down the gauntlet and he's putting it out there for for a knight to step up and take him on and must strike a blow, et cetera, et cetera. She is the one who's kind of possessed, giving the speech of the Green Knight. And she is amazing in that moment of channeling it, hollowed out, again serving sort of a greater purpose i think kate dickie is great at being kind of a vessel character for larger ideas and and mm -hmm. big moments and catalyst moments in this case her and sean harris together as arthur and the queen are yeah. terrific i mean i think it's almost best to say a, a little about this film and if it works for you it's going to really fucking work i love it i love it and just to go um, back to what we were saying at the start, like before going into her films, Kate Dickey, you know, saying someone that she looks, she said herself, she looks certain ways, she wouldn't be cast these parts. Mm. She looks so glamorous and so like, I don't know, demure? Is that a word that feels like an old fashioned word? But like, she just looks really glamorous and, you know, in this movie. Oh, she's yeah, beautiful. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, it works really well. Oh, she's, I mean, that's the joy of Kate is I think she is a very unique presence and she does look unique and therefore she fits into these really older period films, not talking period and kind of the, the contemporary idea of only being a couple of hundred years, but going much further back. 
she feels like she is of another time, but also incredibly contemporary. Kate Dickey's sort of timeless and can play that every woman or this regal queen. She can do it all. And I think that is the joy in her versatility. Yeah, she's incredible. And she, yeah, hopefully, and I assume this will happen, she'll have so much to do. Um, but, and we're also going to um, dream about that or share our dreams, I guess is a better way to put it, um, after we do a little quiz. So I'm delighted that I'm going to be quizzing you. Ooh, I love being quizzed, especially by you. <laughs> And as we as we sent you up to Scotland, yeah, on a luxury location, yeah, absolutely. Home is this luxury is an immersive game. Perfect. It's an immersive game. So we've had the police. The police have been watching you. Oh my <laughs> And Kate Dickey's at your door. <laughs> I would Kate love... Dickey's at your door. I think she would do it. Joking? No, Kate. You think she would? How dare you? You no, better she's think just better so kind <laughs> and she would do that for me. Okay, sorry. Um, so realistically, no, you're not gonna have you're not going to have Kate Dickey at your door unless you choose that to be your prize, of course. Yeah, you know what I do like your prize. I just want me and Kate to get um companion like uh unlimited or limitless cinema cards, whichever your multiplex of choice is. Um and we, we just have a pack that we go and see a film together, uh, you know, every Sunday, one film every Sunday, have a little chat about it. Just, I, I think she has great taste. I think we have similar taste in films. And I just, yeah. like you said earlier, I love hearing her talk about films. So I just want that companion cinema cards with Kate and an agreement and pact that we go every Sunday. In that podcast episode from Biffa, um, she mentions Curzon Soho as her yeah, favorite or yeah. her screen of choice. Screen of so choice. you could get Curzon membership. You could go there. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, um, and Glasgow okay. Film Theatre. We also have to shout out her, her also her home pick. So she has cinemas that she loves too. Yeah, but you're going to have to answer these these questions now. One of my all time favorite rounds was when we did a quiz about Irish accents. So I'm going to ask you to identify these Scottish accents. Oh, good. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's get let's let's go for it. We're starting very easy. Oh, don't say that Let's skip one. It's when I fail. Oh, sir. I saw it. Some angry member of the kitchen staff. Did you not tip them? Oh, the terrorists, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. I'll get them, sir. Don't worry. Oh, be still my heart. I mean, literally one of my favourite moments in yeah. film ever. The, one of my most quoted moments. Probably is my most quoted single <laughs> bit of a film ever. Um, I In the, the funniest film of all time. That is, of course, yeah. uh, Robin Williams in Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, yeah, what a, I couldn't, I couldn't resist knowing you love it so much. I mean, I love it so much. It's just such a movie. Um, such a great, oh. Even just hearing Robin doing that moment. Oh, just even that. It's just everything around it. The nuance of it is so great. <laughs> Did you not tip him? Um, <laughs> well, oh. you and Kate can go and watch a rerun of that, hopefully, if you continue to get these right. Oh, so let's go to clip number two. If I seek to help your enemies, 
is only because you pushed me to their arms. And should you murder me, remember you murder your sister. I've only heard murder be said like that so much in uh, Scottish crime drama Taggart. I... <laughs> That sounds to me like it is uh, Saoirse Ronan in Mary, Queen of Scots. That is correct. And from now on, if you ever upset me, I'll say, you murder me like your <laughs> sister. <laughs> That's um, probably more like a Dublin accent. Oh, it's, it is strange. I, I did always think that Saoirse was the master of accents until I saw really? this, I think. And I was like, hmm. I love Saoirse Ronan so much, and she's given some of my favourite performances, but I just feel like people don't watch all of her films. Okay, but that, okay, that pro it's probably a, a dig at me there. You were saying that. If you think that... No, I'm, it's, it's, more, it's a dig at her. But I just don't... I just don't think... I think it's when she's if with, like, quite great director. Like, when she's with brilliant filmmakers, she's brilliant. Yeah. No, that, that, that makes I'd sense. love to see her in a sh crap movie and see how good she'd be in that. We've already had crap movies where she's not been good, basically what I'm saying. But if she could be the standout in a crap film, then to me, sold on Saoirse forever. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I already am sold on Saoirse. If you're listening, I'm sold on you forever, even if Michael is being bitter Betty. Oh, well, I am. You know me. I don't know why I'm shitting on the Irish actor. <laughs> That's very strange. Okay. But you're doing really well. Oh, thank um, you. So clip number three. Look, that gun and cut a sniffle. Are you expected? Do not take that tone with me, my good man. Now battle off and tell Baron Brunwald that Lord Clarence MacDonald and his lovely assistant are here to view the tapestries. Fucking hell. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa. I think this one's new to me. Or... Or I haven't heard it in a long time. If it's, I think this is from probably a very famous film. I don't think this is a lead, though. I think this is a side character. <laughs> I hope because that's like there's moments of rushing. I mean, that's wild. <laughs> I, I will say this is more in the line of Mrs. Doubtfire in terms of this character oh. is not Scottish throughout. They just have a moment where they're oh. pretending to be Scottish. Shit! I actually think I know what it is, and therefore. Like Ryan Philippe in Gosford Park, but that that doesn't sound like him. Ugh. No, it's this is too. No, it's not Ryan Philippe who I think does a quite a nice little Scottish accent. He's very cute in Gosford Park. Oh no, and um, that works as well because you know he's not met. Well, spoiler alert, but you know there's 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 reasons there. Um, yeah, he's good in that. Oh gosh, I don't, I, I don't think I I know what this one is. I'm gonna have to pass. Okay, so the answer is. Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay, well that's fun. Okay, I don't remember that moment, but that makes it more fun then. Okay, it's not, it's like a, he's pretending around his, his dad or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's not kind of out in, well, yeah, it, it's it's not a good accent. Um, So this is the last clip, the last moment of the quiz. You have, there's two people to identify. Oh. You will need to get them both to win. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm doing this for you, Kate, because I know you want to spend every Sunday with me. You know what the old wives say about these standing stones? No, 
What do the old waves say? Old wave. Ow. Ow. Computer. So I will say one person doesn't even try to do an accent. <laughs> but they are playing a Scottish person. So I don't know what the story is. Hmm. Is it... I mean, it was Standing Stones, so it's it's not Braveheart. The music sounds like it's, but it's not, it doesn't sound like Mel Gibson. Is it Brave? No, but Braveheart is closer to, it's a film I don't, I've never seen and oh, I don't think I'll ever watch. No, th- is it Rob Roy? So is it Liam Neeson and Jessica Lange? Yeah. yeah. Okay, right, right, right. I've not oh seen, my God, I've that not was seen close. Rob Roy. Even though um, there's a there's always been uh, there's a statue of Rob Roy about a 15, 20 minute drive from where I live because uh, he, by legend, jumped over a, a river and there's a statue of Rob Roy on on this uh, kind of cliff's edge that he allegedly jumped from. So always been part of my life, Rob Roy, but I have never seen this depiction of of him. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, just from like looking at it ahead of this, it seems very like Braveheart-esque. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought it was like a man jumping over anything. It's more, you know, Jessica Lang is raped quite graphically and stuff. In oh, it. yes. No, sorry. Like I a... think the, the tale of him jumping is a small part of this story of, of oh, Roy. Yeah. Roy. <laughs> I was like, it's I all about him this. jumping a river. <laughs> da, 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 da. It's just like a whole film. Like, they're all gathering around like, can he do it? We hope he can. No, 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 no. It's a, a tiny portion uh, of the... <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah, but I'm like... glad Scottish people are celebrating him for the jump. <laughs> 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 um... And speaking of Scottish people supporting their own, tell us what you want for Kate's future. Um, I want it all, as Freddie Mercury once Because now we should say, congratulations, you've won your prize. You're going to see her every Sunday. She's going to be forced to go. And you're going to have an opportunity to talk to her about what you want. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I will plant so many seeds um, and hopefully she listens. Firstly, in terms of like a remake of a film which I would like to see her in, um, based on her now track record on working with uh, Robert Eggers, I'm sad that she wasn't in The Lighthouse. So based on what she said about yeah. Frances McDormand, I want to see the version of The Lighthouse where it is her and Frances McDormand trapped in The Lighthouse. And we have the female version. Everything remains the same. It is just uh, them in the parts. So Kate Dickey as R. Pats's part and Frances as Willem Dafoe's part. That is fascinating. I, I'd i almost swap them. I'd want to see all versions of this film, basically, that I'm greedy. Um, <laughs> but I love the idea of it. Um, that's a great shout. Yeah, because I can see My... it. Visually, I can see it. Like, that doesn't feel implausible to me. Uh, it's, I, yeah, do it. Why didn't he? Silly. Silly didn't come to him. Yes, yeah, stupid man. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> he knows better than me. Um... Okay, mine is very different. There's a film from 2008, a French film called I've Loved You So Long by a filmmaker called Philippe Claudel. And it stars Kristen Scott Thomas as a woman who is leaving prison 
after 15 or whatever many years to live with her sister. And this woman is depressed. Like she ha- is grieving. She is suffering in all sorts of ways. And through the story, you get a sense of, and you do understand why she's been in prison and why she feels this way as she's trying to reconnect with the world. I'm not for, I, I hate when they remake like, you know, French language or Spanish language or whatever language film into English. But the film, as much as I think Kristen Scott Thomas gives one of her best performances, which I think saying a lot, is um, it basically is not a perfect film. So I think someone could easily remake it and um, find more to tell with that story. And I was actually thinking perhaps because she loved Transfer so much and was shouting out Paddy Constein, maybe Paddy Constein could take that sort of idea and run with it. Yeah, amazing. That's a, a fabulous idea. I've never actually seen the original, but based on your love for it and that performance is certainly on my list. So I'm sure if I saw it, I would love to see this vision of it as well. Well, well, hint, Kristen Scott Thomas is on our list. And when we do her, we, we'll have to focus on this film. <laughs> Noted. Okay, so I will get to it then. I have been told. Um, in terms of a sequel for me, this was a hard one because we've been talking about quite a few sort of bleak tales. There's certain places that I wouldn't want to go back to. Um, so then the Green Knight felt like the natural fit to me uh, because this is a universe which yeah. it opened to so many things being added. The Arthurian legends and all of that, there are so many stories, there's so many things they can do. So we can return to um, Arthur and the Queen in a story that's connected or disconnected to this tale of um, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. I just want her to be back in this world. I just think her her being in this film and other films speaks so much to her tastes and, and how she chooses films. So I fully believe she'd want to go back and be in this world again. And she talks about the joy of working with it in, in David Lowry. So if David Lowry wants to expand this universe... And give more time to Kate Dickey because her time in The Green Knight is minimal. I mean, she's probably on screen for a grand total of five to ten minutes in a two-hour film. Uh, so if he wants to focus on her, then wonderful. Because there is a lot of stories around that character. Um, I think even, like, affairs with Lancelot. You know, there's. I think there's lots of... There's lots of um, yeah. Characters. Well, yeah, Guinevere. Like, Arthur and Guinevere. There's so many stories you could tell. Like, that's the same as I have. And I was just like, God, they're such... Even if there aren't, you could adapt the stories. You could do so much with mm. that. Um, because as, as much... One thing we didn't talk about, the Green Knight, as there are women present, but they're in no way giving them much agency. Really, I know. I guess the mother is setting up these problems, but it's all it, none of them feel like fully realized in the same way as Deb Patel's character is. So I would love to see it like turned on its head almost and just focus on another character and their interaction with the world. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I love. It's the obvious one. I mean, I was dreaming. I would love. I'd love so many sequels to so many films like i'd love if it was being really cheeky um just to change the star wars films if we were going Lovely, to like talk yeah. about sequels and things like that because as much as i grew up loving star wars and i have no real interest in the most recent trilogy um 
but that just seems a bit silly. Um, so yeah, Green Knight is the same as me. Great. Okay, we're in we're in sync. And then finally, just something else for down the line. So a few years ago, there was a book which was incredibly successful, and I'm I'm sure many of our listeners will have read it. It was called Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. And it is the tale of a woman in Glasgow, a middle-aged woman who I'm not sure if she's middle. I think she is. I think she is middle-aged woman who is uh, has a kind of quite a lot of struggles, and it is her in life, uh, how she interacts with other people, and then we learn a lot about her past and why she is the way she is because she's a very peculiar individual and certainly presented in a very peculiar way. And when I read this book, I always imagined Shirley Henderson in the role. And I don't mm. think that would be a bad thing, but I think Kate Dickey would be even more interesting. Um, and I, I fully can imagine them making a film of this book because it was so successful. And I think maybe even Reese Witherspoon's production company has the rights to this. So I, I hope they don't Hollywoodize it in, or take out of Glasgow. But I imagine that is likely if that is the version we're going to get. But I would love like a Lynn Ramsey version, going back to the kind of film that she gave us with like Ratcatcher, where we really get insight into this woman, someone who understands this side of Glasgow, um, this type of person, not the kind of the really dark, bleak uh, world that we get in, you were never really here, but instead that kind of more hopeful sort of world that we do get from Ratcatcher, even though that's also got many sort of mm. moments in it too. But Eleanor is a really beautiful character. And when I read this book, I, I really loved it. Um, I found it incredibly emotional. And based on what we've seen from Kate, especially in stuff like Red Road, this allows her a, a completely different type to play, a different kind of character. And I think it would be so beautiful. I think the things in Redwood where we see her at the wedding and stuff like that, there's similar moments within Eleanor Oliphant. So it feels like a natural fit. I really want this version. If they make this film, please, please don't make it Hollywood. Please don't take it out of Glasgow and Scotland. And please cast one of these women. But Kate Dickey would be a, a great choice. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, yeah, I'm sure Reese, because you know Reese, um, she was the original choice to play Merida in um, Brave, but was fired because she couldn't do the accent. Oh do you know this? God, no, I didn't know. And that. then yeah, that's when they got Kenny McDonald, Kelly McDonald, even, um, who does a really great job. So I. It surprises me that she'd want to go back. There's a really awkward interview where she slips. They're talking about accents. She goes, oh, once I was fired because I couldn't do a Scottish accent. And I was like, oh, that's brave. That's mm -hmm. what happened there. Um, but so, yes, maybe she definitely wouldn't be doing a Scottish set film if she's um, taking that and thinking of it for herself. I, I hope she's um, not thinking of it. She can't play that. Like, she literally can't play that part. If you've read, That is impossible. So I assume if she's producing mm -hmm. it, she does not see it for herself. That, to me, is is absolutely insane if she thinks herself in this part. Well, when she's accepting her second Academy Award... <laughs> I'll be like, shit, sorry. I'll do this. Um, my 
per, my thing for the future of who or of what I would like to attach her to would be the filmmaker Yorgos Lanthimos. Oh, yes. Um, I feel like if you think of uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer or The Lobster, even Dogtooth and The Favourite, there's these characters that, like, everyday life in their world is kind of, like, dragged them down. But there's kind of... There's hope and there's despair and there's these big things happening and it's, it's very much... Um, melodrama in many ways and dark humor but there's a humanity to it all and I feel like she'd be well able to juggle all those things particularly I should say in one of the lead parts because I feel like say the Colin Farrell in The Lobster Killing a Sacred Deer or Olivia Coleman in The Favourite those characters are the ones that really combine all of those um, traits beautifully and I think yeah, I imagine they'd get on. He's surely seen Red Road. I assume he, she's going to be in, in in his movies. I just assume she's probably going to be in a supporting role. Oh, yeah. Moment, but... She would really fit into the favourite in particular. Or any of them, like you say. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to see her. Um, but I just hope she is on everybody's list of, of lots of things like i also think she'd be amazing like i'm a big fan of ozark that sort of world yeah. of like for those who do ozark of course it's like it's about corruption and it's about whatever but it's not it's not like the godfather it's kind of just like this is normalized this is a very normalized thing um and then you could also have her in a very stylized sort of like gangster movie or anything i think she could literally do anything i don't know if she can sing but put her in a musical yeah do anything that she wants and she'd be really game i think just to try anything i think she's just so willing and keen and that's why i really like what mark kermud says to her in an interview i you know he loves her so much he'd be trying to get her onto a show of his for ages and eventually she did and and he was quite open he said like you know sometimes your films are brilliant sometimes you're in films that are are okay and um, but what she is never less than is a hundred percent like she is always amazing no matter what she is doing and i completely think that's true from anything i've seen her in like and i think that would be true she would be amazing in anything she'd do yeah so it's been a joy i'm so glad that you brought her to the table um and yeah and i look forward to our next person that we're gonna have to dive into and celebrate um more on that later but where can people follow us to find out who we're doing next and just keep up to date with all the fun things we're up to oh yes please do come and find us uh, you can get us on twitter or instagram at don't know her underscore pod uh, or if you fancy dropping one of those old-fashioned email thingamajigs you can get us on don't know her pod at gmail.com Please do come find us. Please do follow. Please do follow us on your favourite um, podcast app. Subscribe. Share with a friend. Tell everyone. We would love to to be in more people's ear holes. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yes, that's true, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so, the, the the embarrassment. Um, yeah, no, do. We love, like, shout about us. Um if you think somebody would like to spend some time with us talking mm. about some amazing actors and some, in this case, brilliant films. So yeah, thank you all for listening. And I hope you all have a very lovely day.
Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.